Well, good morning and welcome to Life Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You doing well? Awesome. Hope you're pumped up from worship. How you guys like that new song? It was super good, right? We, I wrote that. Um, just kidding. I didn't. But... I'm going to take credit for it all. So, hey, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today at Life Church. We're excited to be concluding our Holy Spirit series, and uh, we're going to be doing that and going through, whole, through the book of Acts today. I almost said the whole book of Acts. We've been here for a long time. We're not going to be here for that long, um, but we're going to be going through. So you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start in verse 1, Acts chapter 2, start in verse 1. But we've been going through this series of the Holy Spirit, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has a promise, and, and that the, he is the person who navigates us and helps us navigate life. And, and he's a guide. He's a helper, someone to come alongside. And, and we talked about that last week with the in-ear system, that there's a guide that's helping our band to lead us in worship, just like the Holy Spirit is a guide who's helping us to lead our community and lead people that we know into worship of Jesus Christ. He's a navigation system, a ways, a not an Apple Maps, because that always leads you to failure. It's a Google Maps, come on. And so that, that is who he is. That's a role of the Holy Spirit, is to lead us to glorify Jesus, to help us to follow Jesus, to bring conviction conviction and to help us grow and to be more like Jesus. And we really, we really see that. And the Holy Spirit, is, Holy Spirit is so empowering in how he works and empowers us to be more like Jesus. And if you want to live your best life following Jesus, truly, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do if you let him, if you listen to his voice, if you listen to what he has. So I want to start off with a little illustration this morning, uh, but before I get into that, I want to let you know the title of this message, if you're taking notes today, is going to be power, the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about, but back in week one, we talked about this illustration. Pastor Aaron brought this up, and I'm going to kind of do it for us again, just because I think it's a really, really powerful illustration. This is our life before Jesus. We're empty. This is our life before giving our life to Christ. We're empty. We're not filled with anything. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, when you accept Jesus in Romans 9 and 10, 9 verse 10, 9 and 10 says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And when you are saved, you get filled and so we're going to use the illustration of water because it's a good illustration to think about the Holy Spirit and think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can think about three different forms. You can think about water. You can think about ice. You can think about mist. Just a, just a way to put it in perspective. So before Jesus, you're empty. And then when you get Jesus into your life, when you accept him into your life, you are filled to the top. You're filled. So that's, that's what we're talking about when you accept Jesus into your life. But what we're talking about today is a little different. It's, it's what's next, and it's a little different of that. So this is you, when you give your life to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit in your life. What we talk about today in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, is that you overflow with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that he overflows in your life, that he overflows around you and, and surrounds you, and he's under you, he's around you, he's on top of you, overflowing in your whole life to bring you protection, to bring you guidance, to bring you direction, to bring you everything in your life closer to Jesus. That's what we're talking about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just 
filling you, but it's surrounding you. It's under you. He's under you. He's on top. He's all around helping you lead a life of following Jesus. You see what I'm doing here? Does that make sense to you? So this is what we're talking about today, not just the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you need to give your life to Jesus today, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to encourage you as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about an overflow, an overflow of the Holy Spirit, how he's baptized you in immersion through the Holy Spirit and what he does in your life. And we're going to read through a couple verses in the book of Acts. And I really want to break it down practically this morning because I think this is a topic that I said last week has a lot of confusion because there's a lot of people who take creative liberty. So there's a lot of people who who be crazy when people don't need to be crazy. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. You know, like it's just like, okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. It doesn't have to be that way. And so what we're going to go through is Acts chapter two. We're going to start in Acts chapter two, verses one and eight. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. At the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound came, they were confused because what had occurred, the multitude, everyone heard them speaking in his own language. So there's all these men from all these different nations, and all of a sudden from this upper room, they hear all of these different languages that these guys see. Seemingly don't know. Then they were all amazed, marvel, saying to one another, That look, are not all these men Galileans? How is that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? I'm gonna pray and we're gonna dive into this. If you're a little confused, it's okay. We're gonna go through it today. Pray with me. Jesus, we ask that you would come into this place. We ask that you would speak through your word, that as we dive into what you're talking about today, God, that we would come out more empowered, we would know you more. God, we pray that your words would be remembered this morning and anything I say would be quickly forgotten. But God, what you would put on our hearts, we would remember forever. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, anyone who's excited, shout with me, amen. Amen. Come on, come on. The first point I wanna give to you this morning, we're talking about power is this. We're gonna talk about the promise of power, the promise of power. And go back to Acts. We didn't read it, but I'm gonna read it right now. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? So will is this promise. It's this promise of, you see it in there, you will receive power. There's power that comes when you receive the Holy Spirit. Specifically, he's talking about that in verse five, you know, you will receive power, but what's that power we talked about? Power of the Holy Spirit is likened to the word in Greek dynamite, where we get the word dynamite. And and so it's this explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this explosive power that empowers you and leads you to do what Jesus has called us to do, to reach out to each and every person in our neighborhood, to go and make disciples of all nations, right? So he's bringing power outside. And and it's interesting that that we have this this image of power, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but this image of power is just inside of the church, but that's not what he's talking about here. This, This is talking about power outside of the church. This explosive power is not just inside of the church, not just so when we have your presence happen and you feel all the goosebumps, you know, that's, that's not, that's a part of it, but that's not what we're talking about. The power comes outside of the church as we are empowered to follow people, follow Jesus and reach 
reach others for Jesus. That's the power we're talking about. And, and the Holy Spirit works most explosively outside of the church, I, I firmly believe, as he leads us to reach people for Jesus. Look specifically in the book of Acts. So he says, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So chapters 1 through 7, this occurs in Jerusalem. These are all what's happening in Jerusalem, right there, that's in Jerusalem. Then chapters 8 through 12 is in Judea and Samaria, so all around, so that's, that's the nation. And then to the ends of the earth is chapters 13 through 28. Now, interestingly enough, I think this is super powerful, and I, I want you to get this. The book of Acts does not actually have a formal closing to it. Like, it doesn't wrap up with a bow. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a formal closing of now it's over. No, it, it's continuing. Why is it continuing? Because the church is still here. You are still here. There's still people for you to reach. There's still people for us to tell about Jesus. So it's not ending because it's not finished. Doesn't mean that Jesus hasn't finished the work because he has completed it, but there's still people that need to know about Jesus. There's still people that we need to reach out to. So just because we have won the war doesn't mean there's not some battles to fight before we get there. So just because we're, we're sitting here, there's, it doesn't wrap up. And I'm telling you, we got to get this in our heart. We got to get this in our craw, as you would say in the South. I don't even know what that means, but we got to get it in our spirit that it ain't over. I really think we got to get this because we can get so comfortable. We can get so comfortable that we're okay with how it is, but we should not be okay with how it is. We should not be okay with people dying and going to hell. Come on. If you're going to clap, let's go after something this morning. I got something. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I'm getting too pumped. I'm getting too pumped. I'm preaching like I'm from the South. I'm not. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> and then some people are like, just get out. You're from Chicago. We don't like you. And I am a Bears fan. Just, just hate me. It's all right. It's not over. Come on. We, we got to keep going. There are people to reach. Don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. There's power reaching people. I, I want you to hear this. Who is someone that in your life not, not necessarily that you're crossing paths with at church, but in your job, in your school, in your kids' school. I mean, who, who can you reach? This power doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be funky. It, it, it's, it's reality. If we believe in Jesus, and if we believe that the Bible is what we think it is, then why do we not exercise this power? Why do we not tell people about Jesus? What's that question? The next thing is this. Pentecost of power, the Pentecost of power. We're going to read Acts 2, 1 through 3. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven. This is what I read. A, a mighty rushing wind filled the whole house and they were sitting and appeared to them divided tongues as they were on fire, sat upon each of them. So I want to break this down because this is kind of like, oh boy, here we go. He's about to fix and get weird. You know what I mean? Like this is... But Pentecost, really what it is, is a celebration. So it's, it means 50 days. So it's two of their seven Jewish festivals, and this is the second one. So the Passover happened, and then 50 days later comes Pentecost. Now, there are Pentecostals because we believe in this, right? But 
it's just a festival, and, and, and there's significance about it because this Jewish world in Jerusalem, everyone's coming to this place for this festival, right? It's like Easter. Everyone comes to church. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those, this, like, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like the Super Bowl. Everyone's watching the Super Bowl at night. It's a significant event in the culture around there, so everyone's going to be there at Pentecost. It's a festival that's going there, and so the baptism of the Holy Spirit specifically and strategically comes at Pentecost, as it is said and prophesied about, which Jesus called the harvest. Now, now it's interesting because there's all these people around Pentecost, and Jesus is saying, listen, you'll be empowered to reach the harvest. The workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful, right? And so Jesus is saying, here, you're going to be empowered to reach those people. Well, the Pentecost is a huge harvest because everybody comes to one place. There's significance around that. So the only time we see the Holy Spirit coming to earth, and I want you to see this because this is very, very important, is in verses 2 and 3, like coming down this way. So when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like if you want to get prayed for, don't expect to see flaming tongues of fire on top of people's heads, right? Because that happened here. It came in this one instance, and it's coming here, and now it is here. Now he is here among us. But in this specific time, that's when it happens. So you don't have to, you know, expect a windstorm and, and it doesn't have to be all of that. Because here's the thing that I think what happens, if I can go a little theological with you, just because something happens one time doesn't mean that it's going to happen all the time. In scripture, when things happen four or five times, then it becomes a standard, it becomes a doctrine, it becomes something that we live off of. But one-time things don't become a doctrine that we preach and we live off of. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet Elisha and Elijah, right? And they're with these people, and they're cutting down some wood, and they're, they have an axe. And here's what happens. The guy goes to swing an axe, and it gets a little wild, and the axe head flies off into the water. So what do they do? They go and find Elijah, the man of God, and they say, hey, can you help us? We're poor. We don't have anything. We need to get this axe head back. And so he prays, and the axe head floats up to the top of the water. It's a pretty cool story. That happened one time. So what I mean is if you're fishing this summer and you drop the pole and you call someone who's a really spiritual person, you say, hey, can you pray that my pole will float to the water? It is not a doctrine, okay? It is not a standard now, it might happen, but, you know, this is not a standard. It's, it's happened one time, and so it's not a doctrine that we believe is going to happen every single time the Holy Spirit comes. Every single, like, I'm, you want to try it, go ahead. Do a video. It'd be pretty funny. See, you lose your pull. You know, like, it's just like, maybe a little float, you know, who knows? But that's what I'm saying is it's not a doctrine unless it happens four or five times, not a standard so God can do it because God can do anything, but it's not a standard or a doctrine that we will begin to live after and live off of. Why, why, do, you think, why do you think God did it this way? Pentecost, why do you think God did it this way? Because it's, it's this huge celebration, it's this huge, huge moment, and then all of a sudden, like flaming tongues of fire and just these people who are not even... Any, they, they're from around there. Like, it's like someone who's like a youper, and then all of a sudden they're talking with a southern twang. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, why? How do they know this? Like, I, this is weird, you know? Like, don't you know? Like, it's just, and it's different languages. You understand what I'm saying? So it, it's like, why did God do it this way? I think he did it this way because it was an explosive moment with immense power and to get everyone's attention that this has happened and let's get on board with it. 
I really think that, that this is an explosive moment where God says, hey, I want to get people's attention. There's no need to wait anymore because the Holy Spirit has come and you can be empowered. Like Jesus said, you're waiting. Now there's no reason to wait anymore because he is here and he has come. It's this big moment during this festival of Pentecost where it's just an incredible, incredible time where Jesus and the Holy Spirit are empowering us to live a life after him, live a life after Jesus. So that's kind of what we mean when we talk about Pentecost. There's trying to break down the scripture, each one specifically, so you can see what's happening uh, in the scripture. We'll continue through it. Next point I want you to know is the presence of power. Presence of power. This is Acts 2, 4 through 8. We read it. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation of heaven, and the sound occurred to the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these men Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language? So I'm gonna kind of break down what happened because you see specifically in there, right at the beginning, that they're speaking in other tongues. I'm gonna break this down as simply as I can. So tongues, what does tongues mean? I think we got it on the screen. It means in the Greek words, a glossolalia. Glossolalia. So what does it mean? Glossa means tongues. It's a language. Lalia means to speak. So it means to speak in tongues, literally what it means. There's also, uh, so glossolalia, if you see that, if you see that, well, it's like, so now you know a Greek word. You know what I'm saying? You can just be, Google it, you know, put it on your Facebook, how cool you are. But I'm just saying glossolalia just means speaking in tongues, just pretty much what it means. But what is tongues? What is tongues? It's an unlearned language. Now, it may be an existing language. There's this, this thing happened one time. My friend was at this concert, and he was, uh, it was in Tijuana, Mexico, and it was this band, and uh, it was actually really interesting. It's a really hardcore heavy metal band, and uh, all of a sudden, this guy who's leading the band, uh, he does this moment where he prays, and, and he preaches the gospel, and uh, he feels the Spirit come upon him, and he begins to speak in tongues. Well, he's speaking in Spanish. He doesn't know Spanish. He's speaking in Spanish, and then there's an interpretation in English from one of the Spanish English-speaking translators in that moment, and what was he doing? He was preaching the gospel in Spanish through speaking in tongues. And so it's an extremely powerful moment. And the whole crowd, I remember my friend was there like, this is, we know this guy. He's not that smart. Like, he didn't even finish high school. You know what I mean? Like, he's in a rock band. Like, how is this happening? It's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And it was interpreted in that moment for the entire church and the entire concert to be edified and to grow in acknowledgement of Jesus. So it may be an existing language, but it may not be. It may not be an existing language. And we see that in chapters 10, chapters 19, 6, and 8. It's not an existing language. It's a, it's a language of a heavenly language. It's a, you could see as xenolalia, right? There's glossolalia and xenolalia. Xenolalia is the tongues of heaven. So it's a not existing language that someone in the room is going to be like, yep, I grew up there. No, it, it, that's not going to be that. But it may be an existing language where all of a sudden someone's speaking in tongues and it's Farsi or it's Spanish or it's whatever it is. It's Swahili. It, it's, it can be in that. It can be an existing language or it can be a heavenly language, which is Xenolalia. Now, 
So we see that in scripture, verses seven and eight. It was an existing language because these men were Galileans. And then everyone, again, it's, it's important you know it's a festival because everyone's coming to this one place, traveling. People would travel months to get to this festival or time to get to the first one. And then they come to the next one 50 days later. They travel forever to get to this festival. So there's people with all different languages. So it's important to know that. Now, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see that in chapter 6, 10, 8, and 19. So is that's, what is that? It's the speaking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The initial physical evidence is speaking in tongues. So why did God use tongues? Why did God use tongues? He is a sign for that the Holy Spirit is real. Truly is a sign. Verses five and eight, it's a sign that the, for the unbelievers and proof that the Holy Spirit is real. The gospel is being presented just like that concert I talked about in, in Tijuana, right? The gospel is pre, being presented in their own language. So it's a proof that the Holy Spirit knows them, the Holy Spirit can speak to them, and the Holy Spirit is seeing them. It's a proof of that. It's an indicator of who the Holy Spirit is to people who are outside of the church and don't know Jesus. It's a gift to build up the believer and build up the local church. Now, tongues is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of the Holy Spirit. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is where people get really, really confused. It's not the baptism. It is the sign, right? So here's, here's the way I want to explain it. So you, you've been getting some bad sleep, you know what I mean? And uh, you want to go to Home Goods, so you go to Home Goods, the new Home Goods over there, Marshalls. They got a great shoe selection. Just saying. Anyway, so you go to Marshalls and Home Goods. You go over there. You buy yourself a nice comforter, right? So you're like, hey, hey, here we go. I'm gonna get some sleep. You go home and you sleep, and you go down. You you take you take a nap, and you cover yourself with the receipt. Well, you ain't getting no sleep. The receipt is a sign of the comforter. The comforter is the gift. The receipt is just a sign that you have the gift, that you have the comforter. So you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit baptism is a receipt. It's, it, it's a proof. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important for you to know. It's, you're not going to be taking naps with receipts. Come on, somebody. I'm just with you. You know, you might be cold. I don't know how much of you it will cover depending on how large and in charge you are like me. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I need a big comforter in Jesus' name. The sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. The receipt is just a sign. The proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit truly is in how you walk. It's in how you live your life. The proof, it's not in a sign. It's not in a specific gifting. It's in how you live your life. So if you're talking about how gifted you are and how you live your life or how incredible you are, but you're living a little crazy, there's no proof because the proof is in the pudding, right? So... How, how are you living your life is a proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the immersion of the Holy Spirit who brings, convicts you, leads you, grows you, brings the fruit of the Spirit out of you. So you have that patience, that kindness, right? It is leading you and developing you. The proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is how you live your life. Do you live your life empowered? Do you live your life challenged? Let me ask you this simple question. I think this question is super powerful when we talk about the Holy Spirit because we're, it's very, I think we kind of understand this filling part, right? We understand that. But what I think we get confused in is I get the filling part, but what about the spilling part? That's what I wanted to talk about. So what happens when somebody just ticks you off? What spills out of you? Like, what spills out of you when someone cuts you off in the drive? I'm just telling you, it's just not good for me. You know what I mean? Like, 
What, what spills out of you when that person starts commenting on your Facebook and just coming at you and being like, well, I just don't like you? Like, what spills out of you? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it Jesus? Is it love? Or is it, well, it's kind of a little funky. It's a little mucus. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not good. What spills out of you? Because the proof is in what spills out of you. And, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect in every moment. But what I am saying is we can continue to grow and the Holy Spirit will continue to develop us and continue to grow us so that what spills out of us is good. So that we can respond to people in moments of hardship, in moments of anger, in moments of frustration with a glorifying attitude of the Holy Spirit. What spills out of you in frustrating moments? What spills out of you in those times? I'll just be honest with you. This is something that I'm constantly in process with of myself. What's, what's spilling out of me? And this question that the Holy Spirit has been asking me this week as I've been preparing for this message, there have been countless times this week where I'm like, no, that is not what I want spilling out of me. Well, I, I don't want, when someone sends me that email and it's just frustrating, I don't want that spilling out of me. But then that's so natural because in my flesh, that's what f- spills out. That's what's coming out. But we don't live by flesh and blood. So I'm fighting against that through the power of the Holy Spirit who's empowering me to be more like Jesus. So how can I follow Jesus in this moment? What's spilling out of me? If you don't like it, then I want you to go back to your relationship with Jesus. I want you to go back to your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Go back to what's filling you to see what's spilling out of you. So that's another thing we can talk about. This, I just got this thing this week uh, as we were in worship. I got this notification on my phone. And it told me my screen time for the week. And it was disgusting. Daily, my daily screen time. It was like, wow, I need to get off my phone. And, I, and then I just kind of felt this thing, of just being vulnerable with you and, and worship, it's your presence. And I literally felt the Holy Spirit just kick me and say, hey, maybe if you were stop filling yourself with stuff that doesn't fill you and you're filling yourself with my presence, stuff that was spilling out of you would have been more like me. And I was like... No, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want to say that. You should say it in the sermon. I'm not gonna. I just did. You know, like that's, that's what's happening on the front row. I'm like, I just don't want to say that. I don't want to be that person that everyone thinks is weak. But, you know, that's it. That's Holy Spirit. So, what's filling you? Like, like what, are you, what are you watching? What are you, what are you being a part of? Like, if you don't like what's spilling out of you, there's, a, there's something in there. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15. He said, if you're connected to the vine, right? He talks about this connection to the vine. And good things that are connected to the vine grow. Bad things are cut off and burned. So it's just, what's, what are you connected to? What you're connected to is developing something in you and producing something through you. So if you don't like what's producing through you, check out what you're connected to. Because what you're connected to is not producing something through you that is good. I want to end with just, I want to kind of, I'm not going to read a bunch, there's a bunch of scripture I want to go through, but I'm not going to read it. But I want to talk about this whole idea of the Holy Spirit fills us, overflows us, surrounds us for empowerment. The power empowerment. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 36, like I said, I'm not going to read it because we've been reading a lot of scripture today. But Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 36, Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel. Now, I want you to kind of know, understand a little bit different about Peter's story. Peter 
was this fisherman. He was this commercial fisherman, and when he found Jesus, I mean, he was rough around the edges, dude, okay? Like, he was the type of guy who was rough around the edges. And so he's been following Jesus for three years and, and he's been processing through and, and Jesus has had so many conversations with Peter that are just really, really interesting. At one point he tells Peter like, get behind me, Satan. Like, cause he's like, you're tempting me to not do what I'm called to do. Like Peter is, is kind of crazy all over the place, but he is an incredible, incredible man of God and, and leads the church forward. But before that, there's so many different things that happen. I wanna talk to you and show you just a difference. I'm going to show you a very specific difference from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So there's a difference in Peter's life. Last public appearance from Peter, he's with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's with Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and he's asleep. And John, they're all asleep. Jesus comes back, and these guards are coming to arrest Jesus. And as they're coming to arrest Jesus, Peter decides to take it upon himself and to just whip out his sword and be like, listen, I'm gonna fight for you, Jesus, and chops off this dude's ear. Now, just a side note, how do you only hit his ear? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, did Peter go like this and the guy just go like that? I don't know, like that's the stuff that comes into my mind. Just how do you only get his ear? Either he's that skilled or that bad. Either way, it's a bad story. Peter chops off this guy's ear. Jesus picks it up and just sticks it right back on his head. And then they continue to arrest Jesus. So they arrest Jesus, and then Peter is gone. He gets away as they're arresting Jesus, and they take Jesus to the council, and he's tried, and he's beaten, and he's manipulated, and false stories are come upon him, and he's put in front of Pilate and the crowd, and Pilate says, I'm gonna let him go, and they say, no, don't let him go. We want Barnabas or Barabbas. I'm sorry, not Barnabas is a disciple. We want Barabbas, and they trade Jesus. Peter's not there. Peter's gone. Peter's hiding. Now, what happens, he denies Jesus. Jesus had this conversation before with Peter before he gets to this moment. And he tells Peter, hey, you're gonna deny me three times before I die. And Peter's like, nah, I'll never do that. I'm too tough. I'm pretty much the best Christian you've ever met. I'm Christian isn't a thing around, but I'm your best follower. I'm your best friend. I know John likes to say he's your best friend, but he's really not, I am. So I'm never gonna do that. And Jesus is like, yes, you will goes through. First time, they're around a fire. Everything's happening. Jesus, Peter denies him. Peter denies him again. Someone's like, hey, I've seen you with him. You're one of his disciples. No, no, I'm not. Finally, the last one is like a 12-year-old girl comes up to him and says, hey, I know you're with Jesus in front of everyone. He denies Jesus the third time. Denies Jesus a third time. Jesus goes to the cross, dies on the cross. Peter isn't there. He's gone, he's in shame, he's denied. He, he runs away, he's hiding, he's fearful for his life. He's gone. Three days later, the tomb is opened because Jesus has defeated death, the reason we're here today, he rose again, he's gone. He decided to leave his grave clothes behind. He came out like Thriller, you know what I mean? And he's just gone. And Peter runs to the tomb. He runs to the tomb with John. Now, John beats him there, which he records in his gospel. John's like, hey, I beat Peter there. But Peter runs to the tomb. Jesus isn't there. Later on, Jesus comes to find Peter. And guess what he's doing? He's fishing. He went back to what he knew before he knew Jesus. Because this trial had come. He denied Jesus. He's full of shame. He's full of fear. He, 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 he's like, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. So what does he go back to? He goes back to what he knows. 
So he goes back to commercial fishing. He's fishing. Jesus meets with him. Jesus meets with him in John chapter 21, meets with him, has this conversation with him, and, and, and restores the relationship with Peter and empowers him to be the man that he's called him to be. Peter has this incredible conversation with Jesus. Jesus says, do you love me? He says, yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He, he's, he's having this conversation with Peter, restoring Peter to his place in leadership. Then Jesus goes back up to heaven and what happens here in Acts chapter two happens. This empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes and Peter stands up and gives an incredible message. If you've never read that, that sermon by Peter, it is one of the greatest sermons, one of the greatest sermons of all time. He stands up and just preaches the gospel. He talks about, hey, Jesus is the one who is here to save us, yet you rejected him and you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Preaches this incredible gospel and, and gives, a, it gives a call for salvation and baptism. And he says, repent and be baptized. 3,000 people are added to the church in one day. That's 3,000 men. We don't know women and children because they only counted men. 3,000 people in that. So three to 5,000, 6,000 added to the church in one day through one sermon. It's the same guy who denied Jesus. The same guy who cut off someone's ear. The same guy who ran away when a 12-year-old girl called him out. The same guy. What's the difference? It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit this explosive power of the Holy Spirit who said, listen, Peter, I'm gonna come through your life and I'm gonna empower you to do something that you could never do on your own strength. The Holy Spirit came in and empowered Peter and he is one of the greatest leaders of the church. Through that, he did so many incredible things. The Holy Spirit baptism, is gonna be on the screen, does not change your personality, but empowers you to live out your life's calling. Peter's life calling from Jesus is that you will be the rock on which I build this church. That's what the Holy Spirit baptism did for him. Empowered him to live out his life's calling to be the rock on which we build that church. That's what the Holy Spirit baptism can do for you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you, to empower you to live out your life's calling. You have a calling on your life. Each and every person in this room, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your history is, you have a calling on your life that God wants to do through you. And I wanna encourage you to step into that calling with the leading, with the guiding, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and follow that prompt. Doesn't matter where you are, you could be in your 20s, 30s, 70s, 90s, it doesn't matter. God has a calling and a purpose for your life and in order for you to fill that out, you need the Holy Spirit to come alongside you, to guide you. If you've never experienced the promise of the Holy Spirit and the power that comes upon you, I just wanna encourage you to do what Jesus instructed his disciples, to wait and seek God. Seek God, say, God, I'm open, God, I'm ready. God, I want to receive this power that you have. And second thing, I want you to invite you to the Holy Spirit night we have because we're gonna talk about this even more in depth. We're gonna have a time where you can respond in prayer and get prayed for and respond to wait.
But right now I'm gonna ask heads bowed, eye closed all across this room. If you're in the room today and you said, you know what? I wanna live out my calling, I wanna live out my purpose, but I just don't know how I can do it. I just don't know if I can do it. And you just wanna recognize by lifting a hand in just a moment that you're open to the Holy Spirit coming into this room, coming in and encouraging you and empowering you. You just wanna wait, you're just open. This is just a, you're gonna throw up your hand and say, God, I'm open. God, I'm open to what you have for me. God, I'm open to listen from you. God, I'm open to hear from you. If that's you in this room, the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up. No one looking around. And I'm gonna pray. Just a sign to, between you and God, between you and the Holy Spirit, if he's speaking to you in this message, hey, I'm open. I wanna do what you're calling me to do. I'm ready. On the count of three. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up all over this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put those hands down. Father, we just pray right now that you would empower us that your Holy Spirit, the, the power that you have would come upon us and it would lead us and it would guide us and it would direct us to glorify you, Jesus. God, as we continue to navigate these conversations, as we continue to navigate who you are and what you're calling us to do, God, I pray that we would be like Peter, that you would empower us to preach the gospel wherever we are, that you would empower us to show people who you are, Jesus, that you died for them, that you love them, and you want to come into their life and change them forever. God, I pray for boldness all across this room. I pray for empowerment all across this room, that these people, as we walk out this door today, would feel more encouraged than ever to go after and reach people for you. God, I pray that you would lift us up. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.